Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome. Today we're talking about the greening of Fitchburg, Massachusetts, with Mayor Lisa Wong. And joining us will be DPW Commissioner Lenny Lasco and Fitchburg Public School Business Manager Bob Jokola, and from the Trustees of Reservations, Andrea Freeman. Uh, hello, Mayor Wong. Hi, it's good to be on the show. So you have taken us down to a park. We're standing beside the Nashua River, which is the noise you might hear in the background of this show. It is absolutely beautiful. You know, with all the snow we've had and all the melt, the river is... Uh, is raging and it is absolutely gorgeous. And you could we can see it from the park um, underneath this uh, old iron bridge that was restored that takes you from the downtown um, over the river into the park. And of course, we have we also have these beautiful vistas of the uh, of the downtown right now where we're standing. And it's a beautiful day for it. And I see that um, between the two bridges there used to be this high uh, granitic wall that ain't no more. I know. You know, this has been a long, a long-standing project. This wall that you're talking about is a flood wall that was put in by the Army Corps more than half a century ago. Um, back in 2002, we started the permitting process um, to get this wall taken down. And as you can see, it's taken 10 years to do so. The the Army Corps actually said that that was a quick project for them. Um, but we applied for the permit to take this wall down in order to connect the park to the river, and it actually, at the same time, increases the flooding capacity and actually protects a lot of the businesses and the housing downtown. Excellent. So now you have green space where there used to be cement. That's right. And, uh, you know, people can actually get down to the river. Believe it or not, a lot of the river in the city of Fitchburg is channelized. It is removed from um, roadways and people. You really only get glimpses of the river over bridges. And believe it or not, a lot of people didn't even realize that we had a river in the town. And I thought that that was, that was a shame, um, that so much time has passed and people forgot that we have this acid right here. So we knew that we had to create community spaces right by the river, bring people directly down to it, and see that this is really a key for the revitalization of an older mill city like Fitchburg. And because we're taking people to the river, we are now seeing a lot of private investment. Um, I'm looking right now at a new coffee shop, uh, a former vacant bank building that's now a restaurant. Um, I'm also looking at a house, uh, uh, sorry, a building that was vacant office space that's now housing. So what's happening is people now, now that they see the river, they want to build things next to it. They want to bring people right to the river. Well, you couldn't find a more historically industrial city in Massachusetts than Fitchburg. You know, when it was being built up, well, I mean, at the time of Thoreau, he was talking about a Walden Pond walking over and talking to the railroad builders who were building the railroad from Boston to Fitchburg, and then we have Rudyard Kipling riding the Fitchburg Rail to his home in Brattleboro, in, uh, yeah, Brattleboro Vermont, and uh, so this used to be a huge, huge uh, industrial center and famous for how dirty the Nashua River was, wasn't it? That's right. You know, Fitchburg, 
uh, like many older mill cities, really saw the river as its waste disposal, basically its toilet that it could dump industrial waste into. Believe it or not, I mean, the neighboring city of Leominster actually got a permit from the government to put toxic chemical waste and sewage into the river. And it's this type of pollution um, that really has taken decades to overcome. I mean, thankfully, uh, based on the work of, of people like Marion Stoddard, who's a housewife from Groton, who was a huge activist in convincing the then Fitchburg mayor and other civic leaders to go and make those uh, legislation to get, really get the, the watershed and the riverway legislation to prevent more toxic dumping into the rivers and to provide funding city by city to build wastewater treatment facilities so that industry and the river could both thrive at the same time rather than having the river be simply the dumping ground for a lot of industry. And that was really innovative, and we're seeing the fruits of that labor today. It's really a legend, the 1001 Friends with Marion Stoddard. Uh, back in Earth Day 1970, it was sort of the National River was the great disgrace, and she really rallied all kinds of people to do what no one thought could be done and showed the way so that the state could get other industrial towns in Massachusetts to, to just follow the example that Marion Stoddard started. And, you know, Marion is still hard at work. Um, like I said, she really, um, really informed the mayor back in the 60s of Fitchburg that this was something that should be a priority. Now, that was back in the 60s. And I'll tell you, when I, I've been working in the city for about a decade, so really the 2000s, and Marion has been there every step of the way. She came to my office, and she really um, helped me understand that the work is not yet finished. You can clean up the river, but if you're not celebrating it, if you're not bringing people to the river, then it is still just there. So we had many decades that went by where we cleaned up an asset, but we really sort of forgot that it was there. So now we're really working on, on building parks like the one that we're standing in. There's another park down the street that just opened up earlier this year. There's trails that we've built along the river. And, of course, even private developers are building trails along the river because they're finding out that that is enhancing their mill redevelopments, their businesses, the new housing that they're creating along the river. Yes, the Massachusetts League of Environmental Voters is recognizing you and endorsing you for your uh, leadership on environmental issues and particularly the greening of Fitchburg along the river here and supporting you for being reelected as mayor of Fitchburg. I understand there's a tough race ahead of you, but how long ago did you arrive at, um, here in Fitchburg as mayor? I basically spent my entire adult life in Pittsburgh. I came here um, just over 10 years ago, um, you know, after college, after graduate school, at the tender age of uh, 21, so I've been here for about 10 years. Um, and since then, uh, I've been writing grants. I've been um, working on projects to redevelop mill buildings along the river. I've been cleaning up brownfield sites like the one we're standing on and applying for parks money and also fundraising to help maintain parks like this, as well as um, helping to organize various events. Because you can build things, but unless you're really bringing people here, you know, again, we're not achieving our goal of actually having the community really celebrate having a river here. So um, the site that we're standing on right now, you know, for the past 10 years, we have added more and more events. We've added movie nights in the park. We've added a blacksmith festival where we have blacksmithers from all over the world come here. Um, we have kids, uh, big kids parties and family festivals here. Uh, we have um, brewery festivals. 
um, that are really popular. I mean, there's so much that happens right where we're standing. Um, we actually have, uh, we still have our farmer's markets here. Um, that just started off a few, a few years ago. I mean, I could go on and on, but it's, it's amazing how all of these community events that people look forward to, uh, there was never a place for those community events to go until this park came to be. So we created this park, and people said, wow, there's finally the space right in the downtown that we can have these community festivals, and boy, have we been celebrating since. <laughs> well, there's a number of parks that you've, had, you've created since you arrived as mayor, uh, to the point that the trustees of reservations last year recognized you and the uh, community groups working with you on greening Fitchburg as conservationists of the year. Yeah, we were so pleased and actually surprised to receive the Conservation of the Year Award from the Trustees of Reservations because we were just doing things um, that we wanted. <laughs> we really wanted and things that made sense. Um, and we didn't realize, uh, for example, that it was you know pretty innovative. I think the, the standard idea of conservation is, you know, somebody may be in, in their trust or their will leaving a large tract of land, you know, beautiful home, beautiful spread um, for, you know, the community to enjoy. What we're doing here in Fitchburg is, um, is we are making it possible for every child, even in the poorest neighborhoods and the most densely populated places, to be able to walk to, have access to trails and to parks, to have those parks programs, for there to be outdoor activity, for there to be safe places for them and their families, for them to see their friends and their neighbors, for us to help teach them about healthy living, healthy eating, um, for us to you know, have pools and basketball courts and organize sports, uh, for there to, the, there to be you know, teamwork and collaboration and opportunities for leadership, for our police department to come up with you know, athletic programs and help to mentor children. This is what's happening throughout the city. In addition to that, we actually do have large tracts of land. We have over a 1,000 acres that we put into conservation. The first few years I was in office, it was all beautiful watershed land, and it connects our urban downtown area, urban neighborhoods, up through New Hampshire. You know, we're actually getting conservation land that we're leading the charge on in other communities because we realize how important this is for all of us collectively. Uh, standing out here with me in the park in Fitchburg is Andrea Freeman from the Trustees of Reservation. And uh, Andrea's going to take the mayor's telephone, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mayor. <laughs> and uh, tell us, um, I kind of stole your thunder, but I wanted to get in there about uh, your work with the Trustees of Reservations and honoring the mayor's work. Sure. No, thank you. Um, yes, I'm with the, the Trustees of Reservations. We're a statewide land conservation uh, organization here in Massachusetts, and we saw the work that uh, Mayor Lisa Wong has done um, in partnership with the Fitchburg Greenway Committee. It includes the National River Watershed Association, the uh, North County Land Trust, and several other um, other individuals and organizations in the city, they have just been doing such great, making such great efforts to really step by step, even in a hard economy, even with financial challenges, they were able to find ways to, um, to bring in money from other sources, from the state, from nonprofit partners, and leverage that work, knowing that uh, a green city is the most desirable place to live. It makes it, even though you're living, um, you know, in an apartment and maybe you don't have a backyard, it's still desirable to be um, because you've got a park with an easy access because you've got beautiful things to look at. And we were just, um, we were just 
impressed by the systemic approach that they took to making Fitchburg a, a greener city. Yeah, Andrea, we're going to have to take a break, and we'll be right back with the uh, mayor of Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking about the greening of Fitchburg, Massachusetts, with Mayor Lisa Wong. Uh, Ms. Mayor, can you introduce us to the DPW Commissioner? Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So on the phone with us is uh, Lenny Laxo, who is uh, Fitchburg born and bred, um, one of the many Finnish people. Because I think we had, I think, the most um, Finnish people in Fitchburg outside of Finland. So, um, But Lenny uh, started off as our DPW Commissioner, about three years ago, I think you were on the job for about six days before the 2008 ice storm. So um, you're now an old pro in terms of dealing with the snowstorm we just had. But um, Lenny has been integral in integrating our public works and our public infrastructure um, departments with all of the economic development, all of the land conservation that we're doing right now. Uh, yes, that's right. And uh, as the mayor mentioned, I did grow up in Fitchburg and... Uh, when I was growing up in the 1960s here, you know, the Nashua River was uh, you know, an open sewer uh, through the efforts of Marion Stoddard and the Nashua River Watershed Association. The river has been pretty much cleaned up, and now you know, through the mayor's leadership and working with groups like the Greenway Committee and the trustees of reservation, we're trying to make the river more of an, an asset and uh, people, people act, actively using the river instead of it being a... Uh, an open tour as it was when I was 
growing up here, so it's uh, it's great to see that we've made the river uh, much cleaner now. Uh, we want everybody to start using it, so things like the Gateway Park, Riverfront Park, will certainly uh, help foster that goal. Yeah, and, and within within DPW, you know, in addition to um, you know our water treatment wastewater treatment plants, which have uh, made a big difference in cleaning up the river, uh, will be undergoing combined sewer separation projects. We still have uh, some of our sanitary sewer lines are combined with storm drains, you know, which can overwhelm our treatment plant so that we get some uh, sewage uh, deposited into the river. Uh, we'll be separating out those lines so that will not be happening in the future, and that will uh, clean up the river even more. That must be a difficult process to, um, since it's the, the river has served as a sewer line for so long. Yes, that's right. And, uh, you know, people here grew up, you know, with the river being uh, polluted and, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the challenge is just changing people's attitudes about the river so that they start looking at it as, as an asset, not a liability. Well, fortunately, the industries are, are no longer polluting as much as they used to, so it really turns back to DPW to figure out ways to keep the uh, road runoff and sewer overflows or things like that, I'd imagine. Yeah, that's right. We've uh, we've come a long way, but there's still a long ways to go. Um, you know, the EPA and the DEP are uh, going to be concentrating on stormwater next, so uh, that'll be our next big challenge is to um, get our stormwater under control. And Lenny, one of one of the major areas that we're looking to concentrate on right now is this highway that runs through the city called John Fitch Highway. That has been plagued by by flooding ever since it was actually created. Uh, we actually built that road half a century ago by moving the brook, uh, moving the brook so that there was more pavement for uh, oh, no. commercial and office buildings. Um, and that has really um, you don't really want to move the river. <laughs> I don't think that that really works. So we're actually looking to um, green that up, um, actually create more green space, um, and actually address the flooding issues at the same time. And that will save businesses a lot of money in terms of how much they have to spend every year to deal with the flooding issues, and will actually promote more businesses along that road. Yes, green space is a great way to address flooding problems. And it's also a great way to attract businesses. You know, the Johnson Tide was really probably the only area in the city that has that typical tons and tons of pavement, you know, uh, a sea of pavement for parking, and then you see the big strip malls in the back. You see these sort of single-story, uh, single-use buildings. Again, this is not the kind of development that we want to promote. This is the kind of development that kind of crops up if you don't manage things, if you don't have smart growth principles in place. Um, so that everything is focused around the car, you know, and, and, and traffic and, and more curb cuts and putting in more lights and versus actually understanding that, that you can make the experience much more pleasant. You can actually accommodate more people. You can have multi-modes of transportation. And it will result in being a better for the environment, making more money for businesses, and also creating more jobs. Well, Commissioner Laxo, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Um, is there more you'd like to tell us about uh, happening here in Fitchburg? I think um, the mayor mentioned earlier the uh, northern watershed land. Um, that's another change of 
philosophy where it used to be we wanted to keep people away from our watershed land, but working with the uh, trustees of reservation. Um, now we're trying to open up the watershed land, and uh, you know, it'll be good for the watershed and for the people as well for recreational opportunities. Uh, so that's it's been an interesting project over the last couple of years. Yes, the mayor was saying you have uh, land that's the size of the city of Saugus. And, uh, Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> was that right? <laughs> it was Chelsea. Oh, city of Chelsea. My mistake. <laughs> I get those two cities mixed up, um, and and so it has been very very restricted, I guess, because it's been viewed as aquifer recharge watershed. And you're talking about um, how are we going to increase access for people to those lands? Yeah, I mean we've uh, you know we're taking down the no trespassing signs and putting up the uh, the welcome signs. Yeah. They're, there are groups that um, are working with our water department to uh, you know, come up with trails and uh, how to best manage the watershed for the benefit of the drinking water as well as uh, providing recreation for the public. Yes, because that's where the town gets its drinking water. It's not out of the river, right? It's from wells in the aquifer. But we have surface reservoirs in the uh, Sur- surface reservoirs yeah. that we're able to use. Excellent. I, I bet you're seeing some increases in wildlife. Yeah, all the time. I mean, when I was younger, you never heard of uh, moose or bear or deer in the city, but now uh, we get those quite often. We're standing next to the Fitchburg rail line, so we have... <laughs> the train is just passing. Good timing. And it's almost passed. It's a very long train, though. <laughs> Actually, this is one of the best things about this park, is that you are really in the center of it all. You have the, uh, the the train on one side of the park, you have the river on the other side, and then the other two sides, you have these beautiful, beautiful stone bridges. You can see almost everything that's happening from this land. And imagine, you know, this land is for everyone. It's for, for future generations. It's for the community to gather. Like I said, this used to be an abandoned warehouse space. It had a chain-link fence, um, had a burnt-down building, but now this is a beautiful asset right by the river where people can see really life go by. They can see industry and commerce through the train. They can see um, the, uh, the redeveloped uh, buildings in the downtown for new commercial businesses and housing. They can walk over to the coffee shop. They can, uh, they can sit by the river and read a book. So we're really in the heart of it all, but this is why these spaces are so important. And it's so important to have these types of spaces right where people can see them, they can walk to them, and you can also see the community also from these spaces. Lisa, the train is passing. Uh, Mayor, Lee, uh, Mayor Wong, no, the train is passing, and uh, I'm not sure we caught all the words you said. Could you just summarize that for us? Absolutely. I'm uh, talking about the importance of urban spaces, urban community spaces, urban parks, because you can see life from it. And also, every life that goes on can also see that there's urban oases like this that they can go. Um, so a place like this, again, with the train, the river, the downtown, um, the, the, the beautiful, beautiful iron, um, and also the, uh, the, the stone bridges. I mean, everything is right here. And I know there are places like this throughout the Commonwealth, throughout the country, and I hope to see this as a model for uh, more people to use as a revitalization strategy. 
Yes. Uh, Rudyard Kipling used to ride this train line and he uh, to his house in Brattleboro. And in the Just So stories, he tells the story of how the whale got his throat. And when the mariner, when the whale goes to land, the mariner knows it's time to get out because the train conductor to the Fitchburg line names off all the cities leading to Fitchburg. So we just got to experience the Fitchburg line up close. <laughs> That's uh, right. No, I, I sort of use a, a much simpler book. I use the uh, Henry Hikes to Fitchburg by D.B. Johnson. Uh, this is actually a children's book based on um, Henry David Thoreau, and it talks about him and his friend deciding to hike from Concord all the way to Fitchburg. And Henry decides that he's going to hike there while his friend decides that he's going to go earn money and take the train. So it's their sort of side-by-side story. And I think that's been a huge inspiration because we want to do both. We want people to take public transportation. We're bringing back the train. We're building a new train station in West Pittsburgh so you can go from exactly where we're standing to all of the forest land that we have um, in West Pittsburgh. But we're also wanting people to actually hike and realize that you can walk from one park to you can walk to another park. You can walk to a trail. You can walk to your neighborhood. You can walk from where you live to where you work. These are all the many types of connections that we're building, and I think having a classic children's story like that, kind of showing the best of both worlds, how you can have both in one place. Well, Fitchburg is doing many things to address your carbon footprint. You know, it's fabulous, not only the green spaces, but to improve public transportation and to put up the parking lots so that people can get can park at the train station and not use their cars. That's right. Um, one of the things that we have here in the city that I think a lot of people know about is um, our Longjo bike race. It's this bike race that is an international bike race. It's been going on for more than 50 years. The uh, final um, day of it is right here in the downtown. It actually goes right by the park. It's a circuit where people go around and around and around the downtown, and everybody cheers and, and is on the corner, you know, seeing if there's going to be any crash. Very, very exciting. Uh, but having an international bike race like that just showcases the potential the city has 365 days a year. So as we're building uh, or reconstructing roadways, we are also adding bike trails and bike lanes, and then that is becoming part of the urban landscape, too. Is, uh, and we're seeing that in, in Boston and Cambridge and even Somerville, where you are, is that where there used to be three lanes on either side, there's now just two, um, and now there's a bike lane, and people are really understanding that, these are these are types of transportation that that people want to have. I want to be I want to be able to bike. I want to be able to rollerblade um, to you know to work and to school and and even you know even just to go downtown for dinner. I would love to be able to just strap on some rollerblades, you know, put them in my backpack and and have that be my mode of transportation instead of driving around trying to find parking, knowing that as I'm driving I'm emitting you know uh, carbon into the air that I don't want to. Yes, well, it takes a four-sided mayor because. When we finally get on our bicycles, we find the street has no room for us, that the traffic's whizzing by at ridiculous speeds, and there's no shoulders. Yeah, and that's, that's what we are seeing, that we're taking the opportunity. As we're reconstructing roadways, we're going to do it differently. We're not just going to pave over what was there before, um, but we're going to make sure that there is a dedicated bike lane. We've seen that around the college area. That's been enormous for us. We're seeing that more kids are using their bikes because of the bike lanes, and we're also seeing that more kids are using public transportation because we actually have more buses. So if we can provide those services, we know that people will use them. 
That's an excellent way to live better and to reduce our carbon footprint at the same time. We're going to be right back after this break. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking about the greening of Fitchburg, Massachusetts with Mayor Lisa Wong. And joining us on the phone is Fitchburg Public School Business Manager, Bob Jokola. Hello, Bob. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, Mayor Wong, um, tell us about uh, what's happening in the schools or introduce uh, Mr. Jokola here. Yeah, well, uh, Mr. Jokola is uh, our business manager. I have to stop saying new business manager because it's been a few years, but um, he was definitely a breath of fresh air when he came on board. Uh, and I have to also note that um, Bob is um, from this area. He's also of Finnish descent, just like our DPW commissioner. Um, I just sort of talking about sort of the long um, history of the Finnish population here. Um, and still seeing uh, people that are living here, raising their families, and, of course, now working for the city. Uh, but as business manager, one of the things that Bob has done is he's really ramped up the amount of greening of our schools. We're talking about greening of the city, but we've really greened up our schools, and I'm going to turn it over to Bob to talk a little bit more about those efforts. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, over the last uh, year, we've, uh, we were fortunate to have been approved by the uh, State School Building Authority for basically about $10 million of green-related repairs. Uh, a large portion of that centered on replacing the uh, 
aged, um, I'll say, oil-fired uh, burners uh, from the 60s, and we had uh, a really inefficient boiler up at our high school, which was just over about 10 years old. Uh, and right now, all those boilers are in the process of uh, coming online, and uh, based on our uh, the boiler designers, engineers' estimates, uh, we'll be saving about 25% uh, in terms of dollars uh, from last year to this year once these uh, boilers are running at uh, full speed and, and, and as we're managing them uh, much more efficiently, too, with uh, control systems. So those are funds that now we can plow back into uh, direct programs and services for students uh, in Fitchburg. So uh, the state has been really supportive in terms of uh, leveraging uh, monies that were part of the original stimulus uh, initiative uh, after 2008. And the city stepped up uh, with a commitment of 20% of the funds uh, as was required to uh, help see this uh, initiative through. So uh, it's really been a, uh, a whirlwind journey over the last year trying to uh, get these projects uh, completed. And now we've, we've, we're at the stage today where we've actually replaced, uh, I think it's four schools, boiler systems, uh, two schools roofs, and in March we'll complete the green repair program by placing uh, windows at three other schools. So uh, we're, we are really excited about uh, getting these projects complete. Uh, and again, you know, from a green perspective, um, you know, it will lower our carbon footprint. Uh, and you know, from a business perspective, it'll have. And I think a, to uh, sort of put it in the community perspective, yeah. uh, when when Bob and I really came on board a few years ago, uh, both as chair of the school committee and business manager, there had been such a disinvestment in the schools. We, for example, even had to replace the boiler at the high school, which is only about 10 years old. And we've really been able to bring all the schools up to speed. And I think one of the, the misconceptions is that people um, sort of cut back on repair and maintenance because they think it's going to save money. It doesn't. And in fact, even after we've made all these significant capital investments, uh, we, we returned, you know, maintenance, regular maintenance programs. We've even, um, you know, added staff, added professional staff to help maintain our schools. We are actually saving money every year. Our operating costs have actually gone down. Um, having more energy-efficient boilers, maintaining things before they break. Um, we've actually had savings. So we're trying to tell people, you know, if you actually want to put money back in your pocket, you have to make these types of investments, these smart investments. And some of that money we've been able to reprogram into things that we really care about, which is right back into the kids. We want to invest money in kids, not just boilers. And we've been able to expand our arts and after-school programs, and we were able to add back middle school sports you know, getting kids out there, getting them active very early on. And that's all part of the savings, again, from maintaining and replacing um, outdated infrastructure with more green infrastructure. And most of those, a lot of those savings is from the fuel prices of having to fuel the uh, heat the buildings and stuff like that? Well, it's, a, uh, it's really a combination. Uh, I guess I'd use the analogy of... Uh, driving your, you know, your 1960 Chevy to, you know, a year 2012 uh, automobile, the, the efficiency is just uh, leaps and bounds ahead of what it used to be. Also, by uh, changing from uh, oil to natural gas, natural gas is uh, much more efficient. And the, efficient yes. and the technology of the burners, uh, again, at uh, most of our schools uh, will be almost 90%. 
So yep. uh, it's a combination of you know the natural grass prices have come down, but also the efficiency of the of the of the actual you know u- units, the boilers, plus uh, combined with the uh, energy management control systems, where we'll be actually able to remotely uh, diag- you know diagnose what the temperature is at schools and also if the systems are or are not working properly. So it's a better control and understanding. And as the mayor was saying earlier, uh, you know, we're implementing a preventive maintenance program now to make sure that, you know, we preserve this investment for 20 years and that by investing a little bit of money in terms of staff, uh, the payback will more than cover their, their salaries. Absolutely. And you're increasing civic pride in the schools. Absolutely. I remember the first day of school this year, as I'm talking to teachers and students, everybody was remarking on the schools. We had just had uh, Hurricane Irene. Um, It had actually, um, I think, turned off a lot of power in the schools. There was some damage and so on from the storm. But, you know, we opened up the day after, and all everybody could remark is just how clean everything was, how well run, how everything was working. And um, and I think that's sort of a testament to all the work that we've done the last few years. Yes. Well, Bob, thank you for taking time from your busy school schedule to talk on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues about the wonderful work that's happening in the Fitchburg Public Schools. Okay. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Mayor Wong, thank you for um, bringing the the school side into this because, you know, it's a it takes a, a city to build a, to to make things more environmental. Uh, Absolutely, you know, it's, it's really been teaching kids by bringing them into the process for them to see what's going on around them, but also for them to benefit. And I think what that will do is that will create future civic leaders. You know, people that are going to be choosing to go into and going into the public policy field. You know, becoming the future mayors of Fitchburg and um, really helping make these right choices. It's wonderful that you're the lead, the two individuals you brought on from the DPW and the business manager of the boss of the Fitchburg Public Schools are Fitchburg citizens, so they grew up here, and that is a great example for civic engagement for the next generation. Absolutely. And you're just from up the road in Mass in uh, North North Andover, which is, you know, down the Nashua to the Nashua, New Hampshire, where it joins the Merrimack, and down the Merrimack to where you came from. That's right. That's where I grew up in North Andover, and uh, we actually have uh, some beautiful land, uh, Weir Hill, that's owned by the trustees of reservation that was a favorite spot for, you know, my friends and my family to go hiking through. So I've been exposed to the value of open space very early on, and that actually, that was right by the high school. So you could actually go from the high school and take a hike after school if you wanted to. Um, so, you know, that kind of civic engagement it has to happen that early on. You have to be exposed to these things as soon as possible because it really does stick with you. It does sort of change your choices, the way you view the earth, and, and, and uh, you know, really um, understand that, that we're all part of the same uh, planet and that we all are able to give back no matter what our fields and our backgrounds are. And we want it right in our community. We want it right, you know, when you step out to walk the dog. And, boy, my dog loved walking Weir Hill years ago. Uh, you know, we need that. We need that wildness right next to us. And, you know, here we are standing in this beautiful park, you know, right across the street from downtown, from Main Street. And, uh, you know, it's accessible for people to come down at lunchtime. Absolutely. And, and I know that this is the radio, so people aren't seeing it. But, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, what a sight we are. We've got our cell phones, our cameras, um, our video recorders, you know, all walking around the park. 
Um, there's a lot. There, we're actually, I know, you, I don't know if I should even say this, but we're we're actually kind of having a snowball fight as we're recording this too. <laughs> yes, the mayor of Fitchburg is holding a snowball as she speaks on the phone, so I'm keeping my distance. <laughs> Oh, and oh he just, she just threw it at the photographer. photographer. So. Luckily, the camera was saved. The photographer was lost for it. And now we've got trustees reservations throwing snowballs around. So at, with that note, uh, we're going to take a short break and be back with Mayor Lisa Wong from Fitchburg and with trustees of reservations, Andrea Freeman. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. All together now, all together now. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501 501- C3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're back with in Fitchburg. We're talking about the greening of Fitchburg, Massachusetts with Mayor Lisa Wong, who is facing a tough re-election campaign. And uh, it is just beginning of November. And on Halloween, we had a snowstorm here. And so there's still snow on the green grass of Fitchburg. And I see that both the mayor and um, uh, trustees of reservations, Andrea Freeman, have put down their snowballs. So, um, Andrea, tell us about other wild aspects of... Uh, this town besides the snowballs. Yes. Yeah. You know, Fitchburg has uh, been evolving and, grow- and changing and growing in so many fabulous ways. And, uh, yeah, in addition to uh, the snowstorm that we had here that left in a beautiful day, we have um, we are proud to work with the city uh, as a public-private partnership so that in one of their new, uh, their new gateway park that we'll be helping them start a community garden where folks from Fitchburg can grow their own vegetables and herbs and flowers. Um, one, just to have something, you know, to get that 
encouragement, that uh, confidence of you know learning how to grow something if you never have before, or for people who have for years in their life been active gardeners and farmers, but maybe just live in an apartment building or condo and don't have a place, a sunny plot. Um, so we're really excited to that uh, the vision of marijuana uh, supports people being able to do that in public parks. It's so important because so much of the housing here is. Uh, apartment buildings and uh, duplexes and quadplexes. Uh, it's just great. That, and, of course, public gardens have to be walkable, right? So is that yeah. happening? You want them to be nearby to where people are. And uh, the Trustees of Reservations, we've been working to create um, an urban park advocates network throughout the state. And Mayor Wong was a recent speaker at our urban park advocates summer, summit. Uh, and one of the our, one of our goals is to make it so that every city resident um, in Massachusetts is within a ten minute walk of a of a natural area, whether that's a garden, a park, or a greenway trail. And um, Mayor Wong in Fitchburg has been, uh, you know, re- doing that doing that work on the ground and working with so many different partners. That's excellent. Um, thank you for taking time uh, from the all the busy work you do for Trustees Reservations to spend some time with us here in Fitchburg. My pleasure. Thank you, Rob. Hello, Miss Mayor. Hi. Uh, it's, it's quite the city you have here. I was particularly pleased from a reducing carbon footprint um, point of view of, your, um, of putting policemen on motorcycles. I don't think you did that for the carbon reduction. Uh, no, we actually put police officers on actual bicycles. <laughs> we did that, too, as well as the motorcycles. The motorcycles were actually an idea from downtown business people um, who have actually been donating the funds to help lease those motorcycles. Um, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how much, you know, civic pride translates into real action and real contributions by people. And I think that's one of the keys of everything we're talking about is, you know, we're not just doing things in a bubble. We're doing things that are all connected to each other, and we're inviting the entire community to ask themselves what do they want to see and what part are they going to contribute. Because what happens is that there's all these domino effects, and there's so many other benefits um, that, that happens to the community and to the city when that happens. But the motorcycle program wasn't more toys for cops. It was meant retiring cr- police cruisers and, and, uh, and relying instead on, uh, on motorcycles, which you know, would get the uh, policemen more interacting with the community. And I understand that they could go places that the cruisers could not go. That's right. And both the bicycles and the motorcycles, that really gets cops into the neighborhoods, gets them. It's amazing because I've seen it. I've actually been behind the motorcycles where they can pull over and just hop right off and help people that are in distress or in trouble or um, just I think one of my favorite things is that whenever they, like, for example, they, they like to go into the parks. You know, they can actually go on the path into the parks, unlike cruisers. And it's like there are these the instant attractions. The kids, like, I don't even know, like, the kids are coming up from everywhere, like, climbing down from trees, getting out of the pool, and everybody wants to go over and, uh, and take a picture of the cop. They want to ride the motorcycle. They want to get on there. And, and it, is, it is the best thing to see. Um, and I think that's really helping kids, you know, get to see something that's happening in the city, um, and I think that kind of, um, you know, that kind of role model that, that the police officers become um, is really incredible. And when they can be seen, you know, um, standing next to the bike rather than, again, in the cruiser with the tinted windows and you can't really see them. Yes, again, you are finding ways for 
the young generation to want to stay in Pittsburgh when they become adults. That they can understand. They they want the position of a policeman if you get to get a motorcycle with it. Stuff. You know, I've actually I've seen more high school kids since we've gotten those motorcycles actually come into my office and say, "All right, you know what? I want to be a police officer when I grow up. You know, I'm going to graduate from high school this year or next year or in a few years. Like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do?" And we've actually been having a lot of these students start interning and volunteering at the police station um, through our community policing program. Um, and uh, you know, it's just, again, it's just been incredible how how visible things like this basically become inspirations and invitations for people to, you know, achieve their dreams, become part of a community. You know, I'm, I know I'm sounding very idealistic, but I'm actually talking about things that I've actually seen, so I know that it can happen. Well, you know, people outside of the community of, the, of Fitchburg, you know, they kind of complain about, oh, there must be crime there, and they don't know how it's different from Lawrence or Lowell, and and yet, um, yes, there's a crime in a, in a city, but um, it's such a different attitude I'm hearing from you. It is, because the statistics show that crime has actually gone down, um, especially crime among youth. We're certainly seeing, um, you know, evidence that the economic downturn is, is hurting people, and we're, you know, and, and because we're a close-knit community, we can help people individually. But I can tell you, the after-school program, the, the, uh, the athletics, the, um, the police, you know, becoming mentors to kids, um, reopening the pool, you know, doing all of these things, we have seen such a dramatic decrease. There's almost, you know, we've, we've basically broken up all the gangs. And in terms of youth committing crime, it's virtually non-existent now. So two years, real proof that by investing in youth, by keeping them busy off the streets, providing them with role models, it can absolutely happen. And, again, this is the opposite trend that we're seeing in major cities where people are cutting back services. And I can tell you out there, Okay, the economic downturn, less revenue coming in, invest in green infrastructure, invest in the ways to get your operating costs down, you'll get savings, you'll weather the downturn, and you can reinvest those back into youth programs, and you will see that not only do you have to worry about, let's say, how many police officers we have, we are changing the community so we don't need as many police officers to begin with. So these are the types of lasting changes that we're making right now. There's nothing like an economic downturn to uh, really incentivize people to um, really innovate, but uh, we're certainly seeing it right here. Well, it's really remarkable how you're bringing it all together. You're looking at the greening of the river, the, along the river, the Nashville River. You're looking at the, the economic situation of your community and um, – and also issues of, of crime and, and so forth. And you're not sacrificing one for the other. It isn't like you have to choose between one or the other. You're, you're getting it all. It's much more effective. It's actually much more cost-effective, too, to really integrate all of these things um, into really one holistic strategy. I mean, just think about our, our, our uh, analogies to nature. You know, don't fight nature. When you try and move the river and create flood walls and it creates all sorts of issues in the city, and you're, and you're really, you know, disconnecting the communities from the river. You're causing um, flooding issues to happen. You're causing maintenance issues because you're building all these concrete structures. So don't fight nature and understand that humans want to interact. Human beings want to feel safe and they want to feel connected um, into a community and that we all need to realize that we are in this together. Well, it, it really is uh, exciting to hear you, you talk about it that way uh, in, in and you see it in the, the way that, well, in the ecosystems, we know the greater the diversity of species in an ecosystem, the more robust 
the system is, and the more the systems and populations are able to survive um, disturbances. And we're seeing that here in the city where you have uh, the youth that want to be not just, you know, the, the working in the schools, but they want to work for DPW, they want to work for the police department. Um, I had a trick-or-treater come to my house that was driving a plastic, yellow plastic uh, dump truck or something. He was going to be a DPW worker. You know, and, and, and this makes for a more robust community. It's this diversity of occupations and, and all the different kinds of prides that you've added to this city. That's right. You know, and speaking of the, the dump truck, we, we started something. Actually, Lenny started it a few years ago called DPW Day, where we basically invite the entire community to come down to our DPW yard. We demonstrate all the equipment. It is the cutest thing to see these kids climbing into these big machines. We use one of our uh, loaders that spins around 360 degrees, so we spin the kids around, you know, and they get to take a pile of dirt and move it over there and um, they, they even see, you know, even the camera scopes that go into the pipes and how those work. So it is one of the funnest things. We have, like, 500 kids coming downtown, you know, beeping the horns, interacting with the DPW <laughs> workers who all volunteer their time to do this. And, it, it, I mean, it's a riot. It is one of the best things the city has. And, again, it's, I think it costs us, like, 20 bucks because we, we buy, like, uh, the little plastic construction hats. And this year we even got the pink hats, too. So, uh, we're seeing a lot more women who are choosing to uh, go into sciences, math, engineering, and we're really promoting that on every level. Well, we're out of time. It's been absolutely delightful to talk with you about the city of Fitchburg and all that's happening. I know you have a, a tough re-election race coming up, and I, I won't tell people who to vote for, but I, I do hope that if you're listening to the program and you know someone in Fitchburg, please tell them to get out and vote um, on Tuesday, November 8th. And uh, Mayor uh, Wong, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you all for listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Until next time, thanks. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Living Channel. We'll talk again then.